Good evening, and welcome to the Parsons Nose Radio Theater of the Air. Tonight we're presenting something from our new work series, An Introduction to Tom Lair, by Hoyt Hillsman. How many musical performers entered Harvard at 14, taught mathematics at MIT, and was also one of the most popular songwriters and social critics of his generation? Very few, to be precise, one. His name, Tom Lair. Born in 1928 in New York City, Lair was not only a mathematics whiz, but a musical prodigy, writing show tunes from an early age. While a teenager at Harvard, he wrote the now-famous satirical fight song, Fight Fiercely Harvard. I know it's very bad form to quote one's own reviews, but I would like to mention something that the New York Times said about me a year ago, which I've always treasured. They said, Mr. Lehrer's muse is not fettered by such inhibiting factors as taste. <laughs> now, now we come to that peculiar bit of Americana known as the football fight song. I was reminded not too long ago, upon returning from my lesson with the Scrabble Pro at the Harvard Club in Boston. <laughs> the days of my undergraduacy long ago when there used to be these very long Saturday afternoons in the fall with nothing to do. The library was closed. Just, just waiting around for the cocktail parties to begin. And uh, on occasions like that, some of us used to wander over to the, uh, I believe it was called the stadium, to see if anything might be going on over there. And one did come to realize that the football fight songs that one hears in comparable stadia have a tendency <laughs> have a tendency to be somewhat uncouth and even violent, and that it, it would be refreshing, to say the least, to find one that was a bit more genteel. And here it is, dedicated to my own alma mater and called Fight Fiercely Harvard. <laughs> Fight, fight, demonstrate to them our skill. Albeit they possess the might, nonetheless we have the will. How we will celebrate our victory, we shall invite the whole team up for tea. How jolly. Hurl that spheroid down the field and fight, fight, fight. Fight, 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 impress them with our prowess, do. Oh, fellas, do not let the crimson down be of stout heart and true. Come on, chaps, fight for Harvard's glorious name. Won't it be peachy if we win the game? Oh, goody, let's try not to injure them, but fight, fight, fight. Let's not be rough, though. Fight, 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 and do fight fiercely. Fight, fight, fight. Many of Lair's satirical songs reflected the social issues of the time, civil rights, the nuclear arms race, and American military interventionism. One of his most popular songs took on a different subject, the liberalization of the Catholic Church under the leadership of Pope John XXIII. He called it the Vatican Rag. Well, it seems we have time for one more, and this is one I always like to close with. Uh, recently, there has been 
a great deal of ferment in the Roman Catholic Church involving uh, more liberal changes. In particular, they have permitted the use of vernacular language instead of Latin in portions of the Mass. They have uh, made optional the eating of meat on Friday. This, oh, I, this pleased me very much because I've always felt there was a basic inconsistency in the church dogma there. You see, it was all right for a soldier to kill a man on Friday, but it was a sin to eat him. <laughs> so, uh, also, uh, they have permitted uh, the use of some secular music in portions of the liturgy. And I think that last was a particularly good idea. It uh, inspired me with the thought that if they really want to sell what they have to sell, what they should do is redo some of the liturgical music in real popular song forms. So I tried one with the ragtime form, and it is called the Vatican Rag. First you get down on your knees, fiddle with your rosaries, bow your head with great respect and genuflect, genuflect, genuflect. Do whatever steps you want if you have cleared them with the pontiff. Everybody say his own, Kyrie eleison, doing the Vatican right. Processional, step into that small confessional. They're the guy who's got religion. I'll tell you if your sin's original. If it is, try playing it safer. Drink the wine and chew the wafer. Two, four, six, eight. Time to transubstantiate us. So get down upon your knees, fiddle with your rosaries, bow your head with great respect and genuflect, genuflect, genuflect. Make a cross on your abdomen when in Rome, do like a Roman. Ave Maria, gee, it's good to see you. Getting ecstatic and sort of dramatic and I do in the Vatican, right? In an era where the struggle for civil rights was at its peak, Lair pointed out the hypocrisy of American society and its political leaders in promoting the ideal of equality while practicing discrimination. Here is his song about the declaration of National Brotherhood Week. I'd like to start out with uh, telling you something about a very peculiar American custom. One week in every February is officially designated as National Brotherhood Week. This means that uh, we're supposed to stop whatever we're doing, burning, killing, whatever, and love everybody else. And it's really quite a strain. Here's a song about National Brotherhood Week. Oh, the white folks hate the black folks, and the black folks hate the white folks. To hate all but the right folks is an old established rule, but during National Brotherhood Week, National Brotherhood Week. See Cassius Clay and Mrs. Wallace dancing cheek to cheek. It's fun to eulogize the people you despise as long as you don't let them in your school. Oh, the poor folks hate the rich folks, and the rich folks hate the poor folks. All of my folks hate all of your folks. It's American as apple pie. But during National Brotherhood Week, National Brotherhood Week, New Yorkers love the Puerto Ricans cause it's very chic. Step up and shake the hand of someone you can't stand. You can tolerate him if you try. 
Oh, the Protestants hate the Catholics, and the Catholics hate the Protestants, and the Hindus hate the Muslims, and everybody hates the Jews. But during National Brotherhood Week, National Brotherhood Week, it's national, everyone smile at one another Hood Week. Be nice to people who are inferior to you. It's only for a week, so have no fear. Be grateful that it doesn't last all year. As a scientist, Lair has always been deeply concerned about the global proliferation of nuclear weapons. His songs have reflected that concern. Especially during an era when school children were taught to hide under their desk during a nuclear attack, and every household was encouraged to build a bomb shelter, Lair's song, So Long Mom, I'm Off to Drop the Bomb, had a special resonance. You know, every great war produces its great hit songs. And after each war, we like to gather around the piano or the guitar and play these songs. Uh, we enjoy the songs because they remind us of how much we enjoyed the war. Now, World War III is almost upon us, as you know, by uh, popular demand, it seems. And uh, it occurred to me that if any songs are going to come out of World War III, we better start writing them now. So I have one here. This is, uh, this is a song that some of the boys will have sung to their mothers as they will have gone bravely off to World War III. There's one reference in here that I should explain. There is a reference to our leading television news commentators, Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. I feel that this is appropriate because, as you know, World War III will be the first world war to be seen on television. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I certainly hope that we all have color television by then. <laughs> I'm off to drop the bomb, so don't wait up for me. But while you swelter down there in your shelter, you can watch me on your TV. While we're attacking frontally, watch Brinkley and Huntley describing contrapuntally the cities we have lost. No need for you to miss a minute of the agonizing Holocaust. Yeah! Johnny Jones, he was a U.S. pilot, and no shrinking violet was he. He was mighty proud when World War III was declared. He wasn't scared, no siree. And this is what he said on his way to Armageddon. So long, Mom, I'm off to drop the bomb, so don't wait up for me. I'll come back to my home, although it may be a pile of debris. Remember, mommy, I'm off to get a commie, so send me a salami and try to smile somehow. I'll look for you when the war is over, an hour and a half from now. Lair's satire was not only at pointed at politics, he also got in a few digs at the educational and science communities. One of his pet peeves, which was shared by many parents and educators at the time, was the so-called New Math, which proposed a dramatic change to the teaching of math and was widely regarded as a failure. Here is Lair's take on the New Math. <laughs> 
Some of you who have small children may have perhaps been put in the embarrassing position of being unable to do your child's arithmetic homework because of the current revolution in mathematics teaching known as the new math. So as a public service here tonight, I thought I would offer a brief lesson in the new math. Tonight, we're going to cover subtraction. This is the first room I've worked for a while. It didn't have a blackboard, so we will have to make do with more primitive visual aids, as they say in the ad biz. <laughs> Consider the following subtraction problem, which I will put up here. 342 minus 173. Now, remember how we used to do that. Three from two is nine, carry the one. And if you're under 35 or went to a private school, you say seven from three is six. But if you're over 35 and went to a public school, you say eight from four is six. And carry the one, so we have 169. But in the new approach, as you know, the important thing is to understand what you're doing rather than to get the right answer. <laughs> Here's how they do it now. You can't take three from two, two is less than three, so you look at the four in the tens place. Now that's really four tens, so you make it three tens, regroup, and you change a ten to ten ones, and you add them to the two and get twelve, and you take away three, that's nine. Is that clear? Now instead of four in the tens place, you've got three, because you added one, that is to say ten to the two, but you can't take seven from three, so you look in the hundreds place. From the three, you then use one to make ten ones, and you know why four plus minus one plus ten is fourteen minus one, because addition is commutative, right? And so you got thirteen tens, and you take away seven, and that leaves five. Well, six, actually, but... <laughs> the idea is the important thing. Now go back to the hundreds place. You're left with two and you take away one from two and that leaves... Everybody get one? Not bad for the first day. Hooray for new math, new math. It won't do you a bit of good to review math. It's so simple, so very simple, that only a child can do it. Now that actually is not the answer that I had in mind because the book that I got this problem out of wants you to do it in base eight. <laughs> but don't panic. Base eight is just like base 10, really, if you're missing two fingers. <laughs> Shall we have a go at it? Hang on. You can't take three from two. Two is less than three, so you look at the four in the eights place. Now that's really four eights, so you make a three eights, regroup, and you change an eight to eight ones, and you add to the two, and you get one two base eight, which is ten base ten, and you take away three, that's seven. Okay? Now instead of four in the eights place, you've got three, because you added one, that is to say eight, to the two, but you can't take seven from three, so you look at the sixty-fours. Sixty-four. How did sixty-four get into it? I hear you cry. Well, 64 is 8 squared, don't you see? Well, you ask a silly question, you get a silly answer. From the 3, you then use 1 to make 8 ones. You add those ones to the 3, and you get 1, 3, base 8. Or in other words, in base 10, you have 11, and you take away 7, and 7 from 11 is 4. Now go back to the 64s. You're left with 2, and you take away 1 from 2, and that leaves... Now let's not always see the same hands. <laughs> One, that's right. Whoever got one can stay after the show and clean the erasers. Hooray for new math, new math. It won't do you a 
bit of good to review math. It's so simple, so very simple, that only a child can do it. Come back tomorrow night. We're gonna do fractions. Lair is most definitely a self-admitted science nerd and takes unbridled joy in the niceties of science trivia. If anyone thought it was impossible to set the list of chemical elements to a beloved Gilbert and Sullivan tune, they would be sorely mistaken. That's exactly what Lair did in this little ditty called The Elements. Now, here's a song I always get requests for, but I can't understand for the life of me why. Um, it's uh, simply the names of the chemical elements set to a Gilbert and Sullivan tune. I think the only reason I do it is to see if I still can. We'll try. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protoactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, ytterbium, actinium, rubidium, and boron, gadolinium, niobium, iridium, and strontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, bromine, lithium, beryllium, and barium. I left out one, actually. A new one was discovered since the song was written. It's called Laurentium. So uh, those of you who are taking notes can write it down in your programs. There's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium, fluorine and terbium and manganese and mercury and lignum and adesium and discosium and scandium and cerium and cesium and lead, praseodymium and platinum, plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium, tantalum, technetium, titanium, tellurium and cadmium and calcium and chromium and curium. There's gold and californium and fermium and berkelium and also mendelevium, einsteinium, nobelium and argon, kryptonium, renonsin, nonsin, and rhodium and chlorine, carbon, cobalt, copper, tungsten, tin, and sodium. These are the only ones of which the news has come to Harvard. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. Thank you. You may be interested to know that there is an older, much earlier version of that song, which is due to Aristotle, and which goes like this. There's earth and air and fire and water. Never straying far from his roots in political satire, Lear fixed on a new subject. Werner von Braun was a Nazi scientist who played a leading role in the development of the V-2 rocket, which was used to bomb London and other Allied cities during World War II. Von Braun was later recruited, along with 1,600 other German scientists, to help lead the NASA space program. Lehr comments on the obvious irony in his song, Werner von Braun. Gather round while I sing you of Werner von Braun, a man whose allegiance is ruled by expedience. Call him a Nazi, he won't even frown. Nazi schmazi, says Werner von Braun. Don't say that he's hypocritical, 
say rather that he's apolitical. Once the rockets are up, who cares where they come down? <laughs> That's not my department, says Werner von Braun. <laughs> some have harsh words for this man of renown, but some think our attitude should be one of gratitude, like the widows and cripples in old London town who owe their large pensions to Werner von Braun. You too may be a big hero, once you've learned to count backwards to zero. In German or English, I know how to count down. And I'm learning Chinese, says Werner von Braun. After touring across America to Australia and Denmark, Mr. Laird retired from performing in 1960. He said he didn't like being on the road and got tired of performing the same songs. Lair has said jokingly of his musical career, if after hearing my songs just one human being is inspired to say something nasty to a friend or perhaps to strike a loved one, it will all have been worth the while. He went back to his first love, mathematics, teaching at the University of California, Santa Cruz, where he now lives, at the age of 92. His work has been revered on Broadway and in television, spawning such disciples as Mark Russell, Dilly Keene, and the Capitol Steps. He still has an avid interest in our political and social hypocrisies and delusions, though he admits it's getting more difficult to outdo the reality of our situation. We thank you, Mr. Lair, for your still salient reminders to step back and reconsider the reality of the world in which we live. Christmas time is here, by golly, disapproval would be folly. Deck the halls with hunks of holly, fill the cup and don't say when. Kill the turkeys, ducks, and chickens, mix the punch, drag out the dickens. Even though the prospect sickens, brother, here we go again. We hope you've enjoyed tonight's Parsons Knows Radio Theater New Works series presentation of An Introduction to Tom Lair, written by Hoyt Hillsman, performed by Lance Davis, with sound by Dave Bennett. We hope you'll go to ParsonsKnows.org to find out more about our work. You can also subscribe and or make a tax-deductible contribution. It's rough sailing for small arts groups, and your support is greatly appreciated. I'm Lance Davis. Good night. The price. Mark the Herald Tribune sings.